Highest upvoted question comes from inside the house. <laughs> Bscotch Carl. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Oh, I thought, the, I thought the username was inside the house, and I was like, that's a pretty good one. <laughs> hey, everybody. Welcome to episode 277 of Coffee with Butterscotch, the game dev comedy podcast of Butterscotch shenanigans. I'm Seth, and I'm the games programmer. I'm Adam, and I have unpredictable internet. I'm Sam, and I'm the artist. And this is a show where we talk about life, business, and working in the games industry. Today is September 18th, 20 Blundy. Before we get started, we have a warning. There's going to be profanity on this show, so, you know, just know. Just know that that's coming. We'd also like to thank our supporters over at moneygrab.bscotch.net. We've got a donation from Specchio. Ah, uh, Specchio. Who says, uh, Levelhead continues to bring me enjoyment every day. Thank you for making the best platformer to ever exist. So that's a pretty big wow, uh, yeah. It's a pretty this big is also, so, so Specchio is a, is a wonderful recurring supporter. Um, but uh, but typically his supports come with also requests slash demands. Mm-hmm. So I'm very pleased by this one, which was just a straight <laughs> up nice thing to say. So mm-hmm. thank you for this that, one. Specchio. This time it's not a bribe. It's just a nice uh, nice gratitude moment. Mm-hmm. Very very wholesome. Uh, we also have a uh, recurring supporters who we'd like to thank as well for monthly donations. Let's talk about uh, let's talk about life. Sam, hmm. you got some kind of. Surprising sleep story. I do. So here's the deal. Okay. Yeah. Sleep okay. with a dog. All right. So there's a dog in my bed every single night. And, you know, he's small, but, uh, but he's there. And certainly as he's gotten older, acts more and more like a, uh, you know, an aggrieved lump. So if you try to move him, he's like, ah, you know, that sort of thing. And he enjoys, uh, you know, sleeping or trying to sleep where he shouldn't. Okay. So that generally, for whatever reason, he doesn't try to sleep on my wife's side of the bed ever. It's just always smack where I need to put my body. Okay. Mm -hmm. Now, he also, of course, you know, needs to be taken out in the morning. So this morning, uh, I actually woke up ahead of time. So he's like, I've adapted to his schedule now almost fully. So I usually wake up lightly around six o'clock because it's typically when he needs to go out. Uh, so he's trained you well. Mm-hmm. And yep. so now if I wake up and he doesn't even, he hasn't even moved oftentimes, but I'm like, well, we're going out now because this is what you've done to me. So, you know. You wanted this. You wanted this. You get it. <laughs> so wake up. I'm groggy. Throw off my pillow. Go walk out the door. Take this dog downstairs. And my whole thing is like I try to be only semi-conscious this entire time. The goal is to not – not move quickly. Essentially, be in a, a walking. So are you are you trying to get back to sleep afterwards? Is that the, exactly? Yeah, gotcha. it actually works. Yeah, really it's, well. a, it's a whole like middle of the night. You got a pee situation where it's like you don't turn on your lights. Yep. You stumble over there. You like hope that Keep your, your aim is true. Closed. Yep. <laughs> yep. Because you don't want to you don't want to wake up enough or cause enough commotion that your body actually starts waking up for real, right? So, I'm staying in the sleep stupor. So I come down the stairs, take the dog out, <laughs> and then I just you know hang out. He's out there doing his business for a while. Come back in, go back upstairs, and uh, hop in bed. Okay. Now I get there a little bit after him because I, I went to the bathroom myself downstairs. You know, well as soon as I got him inside, so I'm up there maybe like I don't know, thirty seconds, minute later. Climb into bed. He's not like in my spot, which is great. So I don't have to shush him over. I hop into bed and I go. I'm like fumbling with some of the sheets, trying to get him back on my body. Uh, and one of the sheets just like I'm grabbing it and like I'm pulling on it, but it's like not given. Like at all. I'm like, this is odd. And then in my sort of semi, you know, drunk sleep stupor state, I realized that the edges of the sheet are frayed, you know, like it's been, like it's been ripped open or something. (laughs) And then I sort of move around and I realize that I'm, what I'm actually grabbing is a hole in the, in the bed, like wrap sheet, the thing that covers your mattress. Oh. Because this dog, okay. When he gets ready for bed, if he goes like – he kind of like fluffs – you know, you fluff the ground up, right? Oh, so he kind of yeah, like yeah. digs a tiny bit. I think – while I was downstairs to go to the bathroom, I think he came upstairs, ripped a hole in my side of the bed, and then just <laughs> went over and acted like nothing fucking happened. And so, so that's why he wasn't on your side because he's like, oh, shit, I got to get some distance. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Between me and the <laughs> – yeah, The best part of this is I knew that if I, if I mentioned this – because my wife's always like she lightly wakes up during this time. And so I try not to actually fully wake because, like, she can't, can't actually fall back asleep. I knew that as much as I wanted to be like, Yogi just ripped a hole in my 
my goddamn side of the bed. As much as I wanted to freak out about it, I was like, she'll be actually fully to, awake. Yeah, you had to sit on this one. So I literally, I literally laid on it. Uh, yeah, you just yeah. just went back yeah. to sleep on this hole in the bed, and I was like, welcome yeah. to. Yeah, sometimes you gotta, sometimes you gotta just keep. Yeah, this morning, uh, when I was getting ready for for, for the day, and I was brushing my teeth. Uh, all of a sudden, my my old cat, new cat. Let out the I'm about to vomit yowl. Uh, and uh, I was like, oh, God. But I was still like brushing my teeth. And so it's, a, it's an electric one, so it just kind of keeps on going, you know. Uh, and, of course, I could turn it off, but I was like, I'm in the middle of brushing my teeth. So I was like, so I was like over like grabbing paper towels, getting ready for it to start f- projectiling out of it <laughs> and trying to catch it while I was brushing my teeth. Uh, and it turned out to be a lot messier than usual. <laughs> oh, God, no. It's like, but Jenny's in the bedroom, like oblivious to this and she's doing yoga and like having a nice morning. And I was like, I'm just, this is already, this is on me. I'm just going to deal with this now. Yeah. Uh, This has already fucked my morning up. It doesn't need to. It doesn't need to. Yeah. You don't need to projectile vomit on everybody's morning. Yeah. I will say it's, it's a small pleasure to be able to insulate the people you love from some of the nonsense. (laughs) You know what I mean? Just even just for the, just this tiny little bit of grace that you can get. Even just for a moment. Just for a moment, you know. Because yeah. yeah, as soon as I woke up and told Diane about it, she's cackling, and then she's like, oh, "I gotta get some new, gotta get some, a new bed sheet." Uh, and I was like, "Okay, yeah." I'm like I knew you, I knew that she was gonna immediately be like, "All right, it's time to get some new sheets." Like, let's go, you know. Uh, <laughs> so I think she's already looked up well, like, three different pairs. I mean, we were we were talking earlier this morning about how all of our clothes are just deteriorating during the pandemic because yeah. we're not we're not going out to get new clothes, you know, and uh, the incentive to get new clothes is quite low and the cost is high because you know, you'll die. So, uh, <laughs> so we're all just sort of slowly descending into threadbare madness. Mm-hmm. And I guess the same thing is happening with, with bed sheets. Apparently I got to say though, around the time a vaccine comes out, you know, buy some stock in, uh, some clothing companies cause they're going to, they're not gonna be able to keep those jeans on the shelves. Mm-hmm. A bunch you know. of well, I mean, yeah, I've been, my wife, as we went deeper into uh, quarantine purchase, I think I can't remember if I talked about this, but yeah, got a like I don't know if it's Adidas or I can't remember what the maybe this is Gap. I think this one's a Gap one, but got me several matching Gap like not sweatsuits. I don't know what you call them. What is this? It's like leisure wear essentially. Basically, like a nice sweatshirt and nice uh, like sweatpants or sweat shorts, basically. Yeah, as as nice as those things get, which is. Mm-hmm. Not medium s- nice medium yeah <laughs> uh but i will say super nice to wear so i've been i've actually been rocking sort of a different i have like a quarantine wardrobe to protect my uh my other clothes i feel like you know you fully adapt it yeah you know it's, i got used to it from doing the whole hospital thing i was like i know what this is you gotta you gotta live <laughs> you gotta live while you're in quarantine you know you gotta live your best life i've been downing double stuff oreos i learned something <laughs> I learned that why not mega stuff? I learned that it takes fifty nine goldfish crackers to equal two Oreos. Whoa, calories! So if you're now if you're a if you're a mega snacker, but a fifty nine goldfish crackers is one handful of goldfish crackers. That's, that's true. Which is also one handful. I mean, and then two Oreos is no, one no, handful no. of two. Fifty nine. Here's mean? the thing, though. I was like, I got to figure this out. I counted them. I counted them out, <laughs> and uh, fifty nine goldfish crackers is a. I mean, that's a few handfuls. Is that? Uh, or rather, it's a few mouthful because, like, you're not going to take like an entire handful of goldfish crackers and shove it in your That's mouth. True. You shove it in a half handful. I thought you're supposed to pour because they come in cartons. You're supposed to pour them in your mouth. Yeah, that's those why they got like right? it's like a milk carton. So they fold out well, the edge and just kind of well, no, no, no. Tip it back. Look, got, how many? I mean, pours, how many pours is is uh, 59? Mm-hmm. Do I don't know because I'm not a barbarian. I use a goldfish straw. I have a big, <laughs> a big. I take a paper it's towel. It's like a boba tube. straw. Yeah, I take a paper towel tube and I just plunge it into the the gallon carton and I just kind of hoover them. Do you? Up. Is it one of those <laughs> sharp straws so you like stab it through the carton? Oh yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah. Awesome. Well, no, you, you knife you knife the carton and then you jam your paper towel tube in there and then you just inhale as hard as you can mm-hmm. and uh, be sure to have a spotter because you'll ch- you will choke. Yeah, yeah I was gonna but say it, that is, like it is the fastest to, <laughs> best way to get goldfish into your mouth. It also so. gives you good uh, lung strength. So in preparation for yeah. COVID, COVID and stuff, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. Then you're just ready to go. You Assuming you didn't get too lungs. much goldfish dust in there because that'll probably make you more sensitive to COVID. True. Well, it's, you know, they say that inhaling goldfish dust is the new vaping. So, oh, yeah. the kids uh, are doing it. 
Mm-hmm. All the kids are doing it. It's my understanding that if it fucks up your lungs, kids are just all, in <laughs> all over it. hundred percent. Doesn't matter what it is. They're like, Could I don't be. have a naturally occurring chronic illness yet. I would like to partake, you know, better get on adulthood. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. My yeah. body feels good so, every day. I can't even understand the concept of it. Not so just, yep. And frankly, it's always going to be like this. Yep. So nothing I do will ever the hurt. The future it. is so far so. away. <laughs> yeah, it's literal single digit years away. Yeah. So I'm not I'm not concerned. Uh cool. So let's talk about studio news. What happened? Well, Tech Dead Burned Down Rodeo Circus is cre- the wave is cresting. The fruits of our labor are bearing ripely on fruit. the trees. <laughs> it's a it's a fruit fruit it's a it's a baby's having baby situation. Uh-huh. Yeah. So as of this recording, uh Flop Rocket is now available with uh, with Rumpus integration on Roid iOS Rage is and out. Android. Roid Rage yep. is out on iOS and Android. Uh, Quadrupus, we sort of accidentally launched it on iOS, but it's fine because we've been testing it the whole time. And so we're probably going to just go ahead and launch it on Android 2. Uh, it's early, likely less buggy now than the current version or the old version was anyway. Yes. In the the, ver- the previous version, people kept losing their doubloons and having their doubloons set to negative numbers. Well, no. Previously, it was only being set to zero until the until the server-side update that had – because previously, we'd only stored them as positive integers. So the, far, the furthest out it could go was zero. Uh, but yeah. with the update so here- to the back end of having everything live on Rumpus now behind the scenes – Negative numbers are allowed. And it turned out it was a lot worse than we thought, that bug, because, yeah, people are going way negative on their doubloon counts. They're indebted yeah, it to was, us, actually, for for those doubloons, from my understanding. I, I, think, I think you might have that backwards, but it's hard to say. <laughs> <laughs> we deleted their doubloons. They have negative b- doubloon balance, so we owe them doubloons. Uh, but anyways, those issues should be resolved in the new uh, – the new Quadrupus version. So that's great. Um, and also Towel Fight will be, will be coming soon uh, around the time that this episode airs. And so that will be all four of the uh, the class, the B-Scotch classics, as we call them, the original four games, uh, will be up to date. And uh, then it'll be on to Crashlands. And then boom, whole portfolio is, uh, is out there mm-hmm. and up to date. And we will be able to pull the, the life support plug on B-Scotch ID at some point yeah. in, the, in the future. And this is all just in time to then migrate to Game Maker Studio 2.3, wherein we have to update everything all over again. So yep. yeah, so it's just a, it's just a real blast, uh, a lot of fun. But I mean, despite all of that, we're making great progress uh, in Crashlands 2 while juggling all of these things. Um, so you know, it's it's uh, it's a lot, but we're. <laughs> We're getting there. I also say too, I think last week we talked a little bit about Game Maker 2.3 because there were some questions about it. And uh, and that since we've been – so so I've, I've, been, I've been rebuilding our tooling that does all of our automated you know, puppetry of, of Game Maker stuff to use um, for Game Maker 2.3, which has been very educational and, and super fun. Um, but one of the things that's been particularly fun is opening up Game Maker 2.3 projects because I, I have to create you know some test cases to, to try things against. And seeing the word – Function, which we we mentioned last week that that game maker now has like legitimate uh, functions. scoped functions that you can use on stuff, and most people listening are not going to give a shit about that at all. But some of you, some of you who commented last week, who were like, "What game maker doesn't have functions?" slash is getting them in either case, both great. Uh, or no, one bad, one great. Um, uh, it was amazing how just like I can't even explain it. Like the sense I actually had like a physical response to seeing the word function. It was really weird. Uh, and having even barely worked in Game Maker at all, honestly, um, compared to like what Seth has done, right? Um, just seeing that, there, I was like, oh my god, we're moving into the future, you know. Mm. I mean, the fact is, when when we built original Crashlands in Game Maker Studio, in, starting in 2013, um, the the programming environment of Game Maker didn't even have syntax highlighting. It didn't have – it didn't remember your variable names and stuff. You had to remember all of your variable names. You might as well have been a notepad. It was literally like programming just in regular notepad with no extra bells and whistles of any kind. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, Don't it's talk to remarkable. us about how hard it is to make games, I guess. That's, that's <laughs> the answer, you know? Yeah, it's pretty remarkable that Crashlands – I mean, I know we we, t- we talked about how like, oh, yeah, we put it in uh, into uh, – put Crashlands into beta and we had 2,000 – bugs 
Right. And it's like, honestly, that's, that's a pretty low, that's a pretty low number. <laughs> how did we have that uh, few bugs? Considering how we built the dang thing, we built it with no testing and with no IDE uh, support. I mean, it's the same deal so, with Bscotch ID, right? Like Bscotch ID, I built only in the production environment with no test suite, with no, like no nothing, right? Built and then also literally a Notepad++, which is a step above Notepad, definitely, but it's like, <laughs> is, is, uh, it is not a real development environment. Um, and in the end, like we got we got half a million we, users successfully we, onboarded into that system, right? We got away with we it. We got away with a whole bunch that's of what shit. we did. Yeah. Uh, we, so anyways, not, we, we felt uh, the effects afterwards, but we, we did get away with mm-hmm. it. Yeah. So we're we're moving into the modern era of of development. It feels good. It definitely takes a lot of work, you know, to to adapt everything. We're getting there. Uh, as far as industry news, we would like to congratulate our buddies over at Supergiant. Because Hades has left early access. Officially mm-hmm. launched. Uh, they got uh, more than 700,000 players during early access. They were one of the first games on the, the new Epic Store. Um, yeah, they were so Epic they exclusive it. for a year in early access. Then after that year, they also started early access on Steam. And that was about a year. That wasn't a year ago. That was like nine months ago. Nine months ago, I think. Yes, December yeah. last year. Actually, yeah, I think yeah. literally nine months ago. Um, yep. Yeah, so they... I mean, the games, it's, of course, it's always, you know, they're always good. It's gorgeous. It's super fun. Um, so if you're into roguelikes, combat stuff, uh, or just super giant games in general, which are, tend to be just gorgeous, good times, uh, go ahead and pick it up. I think it's, they're doing like a 20% off sale on everything for a couple of days. So, you know, or for like a week. Yeah, their, yeah. their whole portfolio is good and, 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 and diverse in a very fun way. So mm-hmm. um, I know they're... Uh, few other games I haven't liked as much just because it wasn't my kind of game, but I still, every time I got one and played it, I was like, it was worth still playing for a few hours. And then I yep. didn't regret it. I was just like, this isn't quite for me, but it was still so good that it's fine. Yeah. You can, you can acknowledge that it's just a damn good game, yep. even if it's not your, your style, you know? Yeah. Uh, and then uh, the last little bit of news we want to hit before questions is uh, we'll talk a little bit about uh, this hilarious hardware fiasco that's been going on this week um yeah so for so those in the know yeah kind of give a i guess a set of background for people who don't know what's going on here yeah so we're, we're entering this era of uh of like the new consoles the launching, next gen right? the mm-hmm. next generation of consoles that's playstation 5 and then the xbox arbitrary word i think is what they're calling the new yep. one um arbitrary word s or x or g or q or something like that uh so that's the new the new generation of consoles, and also at the same time, Nvidia is launching their next generation of video cards. So Nvidia's video cards, uh, you may be familiar with with the terms of like the you know the GTX 1080 or 1070 or 960. So the way that, that Nvidia works with theirs is is they have their uh, the generation is like the first number, so nine, ten, twenty, whatever. Um, so their 30 series of cards just launched mm. this, this week. And for those unfamiliar, your, your, uh, GPU, so this, this video card is what is responsible for rendering your, your turbo gorgeous graphics in, you know, mm. all the pores of every person's face with ray traced sunshine and all this other stuff it's on uh, modern yeah. games. Uh, and so, so this new generation of cards is just ludicrously more powerful than the last generation, and also and, very expensive. Uh, but, but actually, no, it's a lot cheaper than the last generation. Is it really? Uh, yeah. So you can. So I think I think the twenty eighty is still like thirteen hundred dollars, and the thirty eighty is seven hundred dollars. Really? Huh. So it's like half price for like four times the performance or something. Huh. So naturally, um, these things are in high demand. And uh, a lot of people were uh, they like if you go to Nvidia's page, they had a little thing that says "Notify me when the orders become available." And here are all of our our partner retailers. You can go to Newegg, you can go to Amazon, you can go to all these places, and then they have all these uh, other other companies who they send cards to, who then make their own versions of it. And, stuff. and they didn't have pre-orders of the, of these, right? They just they didn't have pre-orders. Right. They just had you just you would just have to like be online when it became available and just order one. And they also didn't have a schedule. It was just, there would at some point be an announcement, right? Yep. There would be an announcement. They're like, this is when they're happening. So like at some point, a few hours before they went live, they were going to announce it. So, so they did. And it was uh, this week on Thursday, they said, okay, at uh, 6 a.m. Pacific time, orders are becoming available, which would be 8 a.m. our time. 
And I thought, I thought myself, I was like, I'm going to try to get one of these cards. I'm going to, I'm going to check in and see. And uh, I checked in uh, like an hour and a half after they went live and out of stock on the Nvidia site. I'm like, okay, no problem. They're being sold in like 500 other places. So I start looking every, everywhere is out of stock. There's, there's not a single one anywhere that's available. So I start looking into some more and, uh, and apparently they were never in stock meaning people were there at the instant that they became available hitting refresh on their browser mm-hmm. and they just went straight from coming soon to Being one second out. later out of stock <laughs> amazing and so everybody's like what the fuck is going on here and it turns out that there's a huge number of people who uh used bots to instantly buy the cards classic within within the first second of them becoming available so that they could resell them on eBay Okay, so the cards are now up on eBay, going for three, four thousand dollars and stuff, seven hundred dollars. But here's the great, here's the best part: uh, a group, of, a group of, a group of people uh, have decided, "Fuck this." Yes, is, please. Is what, did, what they? So then, what they? But then, said. what do you do about it? What did they do? So here's what the, here's what they do: they created bots of their own, connected to defunct credit cards, to bid to bid exorbitant prices on those video cards on eBay so that nobody would actually legitimately buy them. (laughs) But when it goes to charge the card, it can't actually complete the transaction. So they're going to just bid up the prices so that the auction goes up to like $30,000, $40,000 for a video card. But then the, the person who scalped the card doesn't actually make the sale. So, so it's basically now people using bots so waging fun- war. <laughs> We're going to be seeing using a lot bot- more of this kind of uh, bot, bot versus bot, bot versus bot versus stuff, bot yeah. uh, economy. Well, so, a similar uh, thing happened with because the PlayStation Five pre-orders went live. Uh, yeah, they had a, they had a totally different set of snafus on that one. That one, that one, they announced I think like. A few days ahead of time, they said it's mm-hmm. like they're like, okay, we're gonna start, and this is for pre-orders. Like they announced that we're gonna start pre-orders on you know whatever. Same deal. It's like through, you can actually pre-order through a whole bunch of other retailers versus I'm not sure if Sony was doing it directly or not, but but it's the same deal. And then they kind of fumbled it a bit. I think actually the announcement itself like was premature because like somebody found out and like leaked. I can't remember what the deal was, but mm. but the whole thing like the announcement itself was a bit of a snafu. And then it turned out that actually all the retailers started their pre-orders like the day before the actual date that. Sony had announced. (laughs) And so then it was like this really sloppy, like 24 hour long thing. Uh, But, but the demand for this thing was so high that the pre-orders all evaporated across all these retailers. Right. And so, so it's the same sort of a deal. It's like everybody who wanted one now just can't have one. Right. Because they were um, waiting for the, but it also felt day. like a trap because yeah, because they were waiting for the real announcement. But then like everybody else who would just like went to go check it out was able to then go get one. And so, so that in itself was a big, clusterfuck and they i think they and then there was and there was like this this unclear if it's true or not thing where where somebody leaked supposedly that sony is actually having production problems so they're going to have like half as many units as they expected to make in the first place and then sony came out and was like no this is not true da, da, da. and so, so it, the whole thing is just this big just this big clusterfuck where again some cool new piece of tech is coming out they're trying to do it where they announce it everybody scrambles tries to get it at once and then between a sloppy launch and presumably again, probably bots Definitely with bots, yeah. with, uh, with people who are who are because uh, yeah, there was a thing too where it's like people are actually selling their pre-orders, right? Yep. Um, which is the same deal actually we saw with Mario. I don't because we didn't even mention this thing yet, but with the Mario 3D All Stars or whatever they call it, 3D whatever the, the the Super Mario 3D set that's coming out on Switch mm-hmm. that they announced a week or two yep. ago is also a pre-orderable physical thing, um, but it's it's a limited time and a limited number release. It was the same deal there. Those went, those went away, and then people are already selling their pre-orders to each other at exorbitant rates. So I hate this. I hate everything about all of this. Well, what I don't understand – so, okay. So tell me if my thinking is flawed on this. I'm, I'm sure it is. But at first glance, I would think if I go to NVIDIA, if I go to their webpage, like they are the ones responsible for creating the supply, right? Mm-hmm. So if I just go to NVIDIA and I'm like, here's my $700, put me in line. But right, just put me in line, and whenever my card is made, send it to me. It could be a month from now, it could be two months from now. I just want to buy the card and get it right. Uh, I don't want to have to like try to do this weird 
get up at a certain time and try to beat other people to the thing and then miss it and then have to come back a month later and try it again when the next batch is available. Like just, I just want to pay for a spot in line. Right. And so if I was able to do that, then I would now have my card locked in. They could mm-hmm. keep me updated through email about like when it, like the, the, the step it was in for manufacturing or the likely estimated date I would get it. And I would have no incentive to go onto eBay and buy one at a higher price or whatever because I've bought mine and it's coming, right? Mm-hmm. I just don't understand why that's not the – like if you, if you are the manufacturer of the thing, I don't know why you wouldn't take that approach. I think – well, there's, there's something to be said though for the sense of urgency and the media spectacle that is a, that is a true product launch – in the inconvenient sense, right? Where it's like, oh yeah, you got to. It's like it's like a Black Friday situation, right? Everybody's got to show up at the store to brawl to be able to get a TV, right? <laughs> and the thing is, the brawl becomes the news. But this yeah. happens even when there isn't a limited supply, right? You think of like the Harry Potter books coming out, right? Mm-hmm. And, they, and they come out at midnight, so it's, so it's the timed release does that. But everybody who came to get the Harry Potter book was like going to walk away with one, yeah. right? Uh, so yeah, being, I think it's, it's interesting it's that you couple these things together. Where, yeah. yeah. You, you make it, yeah, you make it even more respectable by being like, now it's a Willy Wonka situation. Like you may or may not get your golden ticket. Who the fuck knows? Right? <laughs> but the level of inconvenience that comes from that, where it, it turns it from being a thing where it's like, you can be part of the hype and it can be fun. Like, cause then you have all these stories, people waiting in line for something for 12 hours and they're so excited. They finally get the thing, you know? Uh, but nobody is happy at all about being like, Oh, I really wanted this thing and I just can't have it. It doesn't matter yeah. how long I wait in line. Yep. Like none of this actually matters. Um, but yeah, when it, when it comes to like the logistics part, though, I think what a, Nvidia and other 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 manufacturing companies, right? Because you're actually like they're kind of manufacturing companies and like and like tech R and D companies first. Um, historically, uh, have needed ways to get their products out to people, and they didn't have their own mechanisms to do that. They they relied like the the old system of how you how you made and sold products was that you had a manufacturer making the product, they tried to find retailers who would sell it, and then they would put a contract together that was suggested retail price, like that whole thing, mm-hmm. right? Would, would go it's together not vertically integrated. It's not vertical because yeah. you rely, you rely on all of your business partners to actually do the job of like creating demand and selling your product. Right. Um, it's, it's a much, much newer model that we are seeing constantly today where we have a direct to consumer thing where the person making the thing is also selling. Like, like, I don't know if Apple was the first of that wave, but they were, they're definitely like a big driver of that. Um, but that requires that you have the ability to distribute, which is its own set of problems, right? Mm. And so I think NVIDIA is still in that realm. And I think this is true for, for most of like tech hardware, where they their whole business structure is oriented around these relationships with third-party retailers who actually do right. the work of selling it. And they presumably have contractual obligations and like and the mm-hmm. whole thing to make that work. And like and because like the question is how many if they're gonna make X number of units, but presumably they have a contract with Newegg. And then with Best, Best Buy. Buy, does Best Buy still exist? Which, whatever, with all these different entities, right? Yep. And they say, and they, and they have some, presumably some like fraction or whatever of an amount that's going to go to them. And all that stuff, without a doubt, happened like a year ago, right? Where they were like, all right, we're working on a new series. Yeah. Like, here's what's going to happen, right? Yeah. Um, because they need to know that they're going to also recoup their costs. And, and presumably they can also rely on those retailers to have like pre-bought stuff and like mm-hmm. and all of that, yeah. right? So I feel like it makes sense that this is how it is in the, in the like from NVIDIA's point, right? The thing that is absurd to me is that in all, for all the retailers who are actually doing the work, they're not doing because like these are all going to get sold out anyway. They don't need to make this be a shitty experience for all of their customers, right? Where they don't need to allow a bot to buy a hundred copies of a game, right? Or, or, or a game or a console, a card, or, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, they they don't need to allow for that. Um, they could trickle them out. They could also play some really weird game where they just say, "We're going to actually for really hot items that are not that are that are far outstripped by demand." We're going to start selling them at 10 times their normal price and then just work the price down over time, right? Because now the scalpers can't come in and be like, oh, I'm going to go buy this and resell it for that same price. You're just like, no, just buy it at that price. Now you just you just have that now, right? And kind of, you can kind of fizzle out the 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 whole like horrible part of that process. Or, you know, there, I think there's a lot of things that you could do. There's a lot of strategies. Yeah. yeah. But I think, yeah, I we're, in the worst, we're in the worst possible version of that for the consumer perspective, in, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Bots yeah. and misinformation. Around this time, I... I I did see a great uh, video from one of the early iPhone launches where this this woman came to uh, this this Apple store and she brought uh, she brought like twenty thousand dollars cash and she walked she's like I'm gonna buy every iPhone they have and sell them on eBay 
and uh, she she goes to the the person at the front of the line. These people have been camping out all night. Mm-hmm. You know, she goes to the person at the front of the line, pays him like eight hundred dollars to get her to take his spot in line, so she can be the first one in the store and buy all the iPhones. Mm-hmm. And then she goes in there. And they're like, oh, sorry, it's one per customer. <laughs> yeah. so, and then the guy, the guy who uh, was first, in who line. who was first in line, he had two friends behind him, and out of their three-person friend group, only two of them needed iPhones, anyways. So he just bought his iPhone then with the money she gave him, <laughs> uh, and he had enough left over to get some accessories and stuff, uh-huh. and then. Uh, and then that was that. But I think Apple has do. done the best job of this, honestly, of yeah. like having a limited supply thing, creating hype of around a date yeah. of like actually, actually doing a product launch. I feel like oh, Apple excellent. has figured it out, but also Apple is vertical, right? I think they can pull it off because they can control every aspect of how yeah. that works. Um, but yeah. Nvidia is not, and I think that's that's where they that's where the shit hits the fan. Actually, PlayStation isn't either, right? I think that's where the that's where the shit hits the fan. Yep. So uh, I don't know. Maybe maybe over time, as these companies start to uh, develop their own better sort of direct to consumer stuff, maybe maybe you'll see better launches, or maybe just because honestly, they also do launches fairly infrequently. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, I don't know. But it's it's just been an interesting spectacle to watch. Uh, all right, let's get on to some questions. These questions come from our listeners over at podcast.bscotch.net. Highest upvoted question comes from. Inside the house. Bscotch Carl. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh, I thought, the, I thought the username was inside the house. And I was like, that's a pretty good one. <laughs> <laughs> Bscotch Carl asks, what is the origin of the genomes? And will they ever have any use other than aesthetics? Mm. I think the genomes were inspired by the by the gnome in Half-Life 2. Well, to back it up, just for people who are not familiar. It well, crashes. let me finish the question. Well, go uh, for it. Flux had one in her ship, and you can find others all across Wonope. We need closure on this collectible. Okay, carry on. Yeah. So in the original Crashlands, there are five, I believe, uh, yeah. gnomes that are spread throughout the land. And this is one of those funny things because we saw some guides and stuff pop up after launch. And the gnomes don't – they don't do anything. They don't uh, do anything. We just put them there because we were like <laughs> – we were like other games do this. And the one that's particularly inspired by is uh, Adam completed the – was it Rocket Man? The Rocket Man achievement Rocket Man. in uh, Half Life Two, which is there's a small garden. Half Life Two, I think, is it? It might be Episode Two. I don't, yeah, I can't remember which one it is, but it's yeah. One I of think the, it's the, the original. Two. I think because you have to carry it like almost from the almost from the beginning of the game. You have to pick up this garden gnome. Yeah, and it's then, under a bed, I think. So you have to like you have to know that it's under there, and then go pick it up, and then carry it with you. And it's not not in your inventory. You have to like have be holding it with a yes. Grab you actually you can't hold a gun. Like you can't. You basically can't do anything while you're carrying. So you got to drop it while you're doing stuff, and then pick it back up again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that includes there's also car driving that you have to be able to do. So it's not like, like go karting though, right? Because you have like, like go karting, yeah. yeah. But I say, and, and of course the game, like its whole thing was we have the best physics that exist in games, right? And so, so the way that I had to do it was like I would put the gnome on the back of the vehicle, and then like hope that it would stay there. I was like as I was going for bumpy terrain and stuff, and so it would. Stay on for a little while, then I have to jump off, go pick it back up again, and like you know, keep on. Keep <laughs> Meanwhile, on. being attacked by giant bugs and stuff. So uh, uh, it was this, it was this thing that uh, that Adam's experience with I think struck a chord with all of us because there's there's these little Easter eggs and achievements and stuff like that in video games that are that are oftentimes there. There's no point to any of them. It's just sort of a fun little way for developers to just kind of uh, I think communicate in a different sort of a way to the player base. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I mean, there's there's really good history of of Easter eggs and all this other weird collectibles and stuff. They don't they don't do anything. They're just there, just there for the enterprising player who wants to go uh, sort of. Scope Although it I out. will say that the plan wasn't necessarily for them to not do anything. We originally put them right. there because we just thought it'd be fun to have, and we had a whole bunch of we had a list of like things that might we might do with them, right? But they were it was stuff that we definitely didn't have time to do before the original launch, and that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's actually there's actually a few other things in there too. There's also the there's that little bot of some sort that is you remember the thing? There's like a little that also doesn't do anything. There's like a Oh yeah, you can collect the original whiz box. Right? Yeah, the whiz bot or whiz box oh, yeah. or whatever. Yeah. 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 Yeah, like that's in there, right? And I think that comes down like there's that there's a whole thing with like the watcher and like all this stuff, right? And it's like it's there. Oh, it yeah. seems like a big deal, right? And you go get it and like nothing nothing happens, right? And so so I think it's fair to admit that, that we had ideas about things to do with these. And that we just didn't have the time to actually try to then implement any of those. Because mm-hmm. I remember, I don't know if you guys remember, but but the the plan we were actually 
thinking of doing. Oh, I remember. Notes, right? Was that since there there are five of them, right? And I think we added one just to make sure that there was a fifth because yep. we wanted to be able to have a situation where you could basically put them down in like a pentagram, right? Mm-hmm. And summon a and gnome summon demon. a gnome <laughs> demon as a, as a boss. And we just didn't have time to do that, right? And so it, so it never happened. Um, but uh, but but in the end, we decided it was still fun just to like have those things in there, just just as a collectible thing. Doesn't do anything. It's just kind of a, a fun item to have. And we didn't even like. We could have even added a perk for it, but we didn't even do that, right? No. So it's just. It ended up being a thing where we just we were just like. I think it's okay to have a thing whose only purpose is for you to be like. It would be kind of fun to collect all of these, right? Well, it's an interesting point in, uh, and this is something we're 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 approaching in a, a very different way when it comes to uh, Crashlands Two as well, which is if the point of the game is generating the sense of exploration uh, and curiosity, then not knowing what things are for. Is actually or if they're for anything, yeah. Or if they're for anything, is a fantastic breadcrumb, right? Because it, it basically it, it prompts this question in the player's mind, which is like, "What? Like I got this gnome, and then and then maybe later you find a second one, but maybe you find the second one in the tundra or something after getting the first one on the ship, and you're like, if there's two, how many more are there, right? And then it, yeah. it prompts this sort of like, what is happening? And I love that sort of thing because it's like that sort of that's a level of engagement where players are asking questions about how the game world works and. Mm-hmm. What steps forward? All I that do and, wish, so. though. I do wish we had done something once you got all five. Oh yeah, I mean the like, the, the pentagram gnome demon was yeah, and then, well, the we decided not to do that too. Was we're like we're like almost nobody is actually going to. We're talking like half a percent of players, or something like that, right? Mm-hmm. Are going to actually get all five gnomes, and so it didn't make sense to invest a whole like you know two weeks or whatever of, of development time into creating an experience for that. Um, but uh, I think but, I think actually those things you have to think about as marketing tools. Right. Yeah, that's true. The other example of this is the Mega Gong, uh, which there like there's YouTube videos. There's a YouTube video I think it has like more than forty thousand views of someone showing how to get the Mega Gong. Right. Right. Um, and that's actually I think what these things are for. Okay. Because most of those people computer. watching it aren't actually going to go get it. Exactly. Right. Yeah. That's true. But it's just about yeah. the excitement of that thing being present. Yeah, because people were very pumped about the bacon wheat fairy, right? Because yep. it's also it's a kind of a long chain. You don't have to do it, and then it's such a surprising, absurdist thing that happens. I think. I think, I think that's true. <laughs> Having more of that, where where there's some convoluted set of things, right? And mm-hmm. and I think actually. Having those handful of cryptic things that actually usually, not always, but usually lead to something interesting eventually. Because like that, that idea that, of like you wanting to follow that trail is now not just because like, oh, like these gnomes are neat. I want to see if there are more. But also like there's a good chance, not a guarantee, because mm-hmm. if it's a guarantee, that's also less interesting, right? But there's a good chance that if I discover all of these, there will be something. Something the I can wild's going to happen. Yeah. 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 I will say too, and this is something that Sam, you and I were talking about earlier this week. And it kind of speaks to this this idea of trying to create more mystery in a game, mm-hmm. um, because that was that was something that we we've always felt like we fell short of a goal in original Crashlands. Of it was extremely streamlined and convenient, where you know you would like tap on sawgrass and you will chop that sawgrass, right? Or you tap on a log tree and your saw just goes into your hand and now you're you're chopping that uh, that log tree. And if you can't chop it yet, you'll pr- you'll be able to later. You just don't have yeah. the right thing yet. And there's only one kind of thing that's going to yeah. Do that. So it's totally binary, right? So like either you can chop it and you will, or you can't and you won't. And those are the two possible. And then outcomes. if you can, because there's only one way of doing it, then the stuff that you get is just the stuff that's in there. That's just what you're going to get now, yeah. right? And and already, as we've been sort of prototyping and experimenting with uh, making more, making deeper, more interesting game systems in Crashlands Two, you know, we're we're playing around with these like cube shrubs, which is like it's just a cube. It's a, cube. It's a green cube. <laughs> it's a green cube. Um, and then so you know, earlier in the week, it's like okay, well, let's let's try to take this to the next level. Where instead of just like okay, I'm just chopping this shrub and and it's breaking apart into some leaves and sticks, right? Like that's that's original Crashlands level of interaction. Let's take this to the next level. Okay, now there's berries on this shrub. I woke up to the shrub. I can either uh, just bare hand interact with the shrub, so I unequip stuff and I've just got my hand, my little my little hands. Mm-hmm. And I can and I can pick those berries and I can pick the berries one by one, right? Like I go up to it and I interact with it and like I pluck each berry. Um, now there's no berries left on the shrub. Uh, what what do I do next? Do I continue just using my bare hand? Okay, I've uprooted the shrub and now it's in my inventory. I now have a you took I just it. have the, I just have the shrub, right? What am I going to do with it? I don't I don't know yet. I don't really know 
what you can do. You probably didn't even know you could do that, right? I didn't know I could do that, but I have it now. Um, or I could switch back to my uh, my axe thing, and I can uh, and I could just chop the shrub and get materials out of it that way. And so, so now we have sort of like already several layers of interaction. I can take the shrub, I can chop the shrub, I can just pick the berries and, and leave it alone. Um, but none of those things are forced like they were in the original game. In the original game, I would click on the shrub and, and the only possible interaction is what was going to happen. And now we've we've opened it up. And so going forward, there could be 10, 20 other things that I could do with this shrub, depending on whether I have the the available item. Maybe I could water it or fertilize it. So or no, you'll basically just or, never know if you've actually fully explored anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. exactly. And that's And that's kind of like... I'm I'm just so fucking pumped about it because we already have it now. Like we already have the systems to allow for it, and it's very easy to add content like this uh, and onto the framework that we're building for Crashlands Two. And so it should be the case that as you explore the world, there just it seems like anything's possible. Yep. You know, you come across something you're like what is that, mm-hmm. and and you just don't know. You don't know what it is. You don't know what it's for, and you start trying stuff. Right, like hit it with an axe, poke it with a chisel thing. Well, then from you a know? development you know, standpoint too, this actually so in, in the same way that we had the gnomes in there, right? But we didn't at launch; we didn't have anything that they did. But that actually left room that in the in the chance, like let's imagine an alternate reality where Crashlands was like five times as, as successful it was as it was, right? And we're like, okay, we're we're Crashlands as a company now, right? So we're going to keep on investing into this thing. Uh, now we've actually already got it. Like people already know about this. They've already explored it. It doesn't do anything yet, but now we can add something that happens, mm-hmm. right, as people get it. And yep. same deal here with Crashlands 2 is now we can add all these different features in there. And then maybe at launch, not all of them do that. Actually, not all of them will ever do things if there's enough of them, right? Uh, but they don't have to now because there'll just always be things that don't do anything, but people will do it anyway. They'll go, they'll be exploring, they'll be discovering things. And so if we then later want to want to add something new, we don't have to be like, oh God, now I have to like add new resources. Like do everything has to be new. We can say, we've already got a whole bunch of stuff in here, right? With like interesting dynamic uh, sort of uh, combinatorial interactions. We can just go pick one that's kind of not doing anything interesting yet and make that do something interesting, right? And mm-hmm. so, so being able to now add interesting features becomes actually a lot cheaper. Yeah, you're adding them in layers as opposed to uh, extensions, Right, which is yeah. That was the thing with right. Crashlands was the cost of adding new content was really high, yeah. really really high, because you couldn't like if you wanted you couldn't just add a new sword, right? Because like, well, what is it made out of? Now to go get every resource corresponded to like one thing and to one tier of content and, and the whole deal. And so so every time we wanted to add something new, it required adding ten other new things, and and it was just uh, it was just too hard just to be like this is already neat. Let's go make that happen, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and that was also because the original Crashlands was was almost entirely about vertical progression through the game. Yeah. Right? Like you move from one tier to the next tier to the next tier. Uh, every tier has a sword, a hammer, and an axe. It has helm, chest, glove, you know, like there was like a, a checklist of things that had to be mm-hmm. in each tier. And so uh, – but what we're trying to focus on with Crashlands 2 is, a, is to sh- to – condense that down and have a lot more lateral movement. So a lot more interesting variety of things to do at any given time in the game and instead of focusing on just purely moving linearly through like a vertical power progression. Mm-hmm. So um, we have a lot, lots of interesting ideas, uh, whether – and I should also sort of add a caveat to all this stuff is like we're just exploring all this stuff. Uh, we have no idea how this thing's actually going to turn out. Uh, it might so turn out just, that being able to do all kinds of things is really boring. And so we have to take it all out and go back to a vertical progression system. You know, who, turns who out uh, idle, idle games are really big right now. And, you know, you, you, the game just plays itself and you just become infinitely more powerful. That's, yep. you know, that's mm-hmm. what the market demands. Uh, yeah. So anyways, we don't really know where it's going to end up. And this is just kind of a, a lightweight conversation about – how we're thinking about things at this stage of development. So, uh, all right. Next question comes from Biki Bapa Boop, who says the next Prime podcast is two seventy seven, which is this one. Oh, it happens to be a super 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 Prime number. This is because it is the fifty ninth Prime. Fifty nine is also a Prime. Fifty nine is the seventeenth Prime. Seventeen is the seventh Prime. Seven <laughs> is also Prime. <laughs> On an unrelated note, to inject some requested chaos, here's a strange question. What order of magnitude is the number of individual butterflies in the world? Thanks. Mm. I thought I remember reading somewhere that if you took all the ants in the world 
and weighed them, there would be more pounds of ants than there are of people. Yeah, I think that's by true. like a by a, a large margin, a horrific margin, I think. Yeah, and even even weirder, given that fact, I saw a recent claim, which then I feel like has to be complete horseshit. That one out of ten animals, just like by number, of course, animals includes insects and all that stuff, right? But one out of ten animals on the planet is a beetle, right? Mm-hmm. But the way, the way that I interpreted this was that nine out of ten animals are ants, and then one out of ten is a beetle, and then everything else is a very tiny rounding error. Was mm-hmm. sort of how I interpreted that. I thought right. there were only four beetles. Nice. <laughs> uh, That's very good. That was good. With it. As far as butterflies go. Uh, <laughs> Butterflies, how long do they live? Because this is kind of like a – this is a snapshot in time question, right? Because like a, butterflies, they're actually caterpillars for a long time. Yeah. Then they're, then they're a cocoon. Then they're a butterfly, mm-hmm. but probably not for very long. Yeah. Right? It'll definitely depend on – so the question is the total mass? Total number. Total Just number. Just how many? So how many you, butterflies? Have you seen those videos of – I think it's in Mexico, the forest where all the monarchs go oh, yeah, to wild. hang out? If if, you, yeah. if any listeners haven't seen this, it is it is unreal because the basically trees these, are monarchs. Yeah, there's so many monarchs in these trees that the, the trees are weighed down. So think about that for a second, <laughs> because how many fucking monarchs does it take to like weigh down a big to tree limb? Tree branch? I don't even Millions. understand. It. I'm gonna um, take the physics approach here and just say because now now order of magnitude whatever you can be off by as much as you want. It's fine. I'm gonna go with ten. 10 orders of magnitude. No, just 10 because like plus or minus like to, you know, plus or minus a billion, a trillion, like I don't care, whatever. But it's definitely at least, it's at least 10. Mm-hmm. It's at least 10. Now, vol- we also like volumes are hard to figure out yeah, as yeah. is, as is mass, you know, cause mass, you know, it's sort of a related issue. How many butterflies do you think it would take to make a, a single person in Mass. Because like if I get on a tree, if I get on a tree volume. branch, and if it's in, by in volume, mass. are they compressed? You know, no, just mass. Just mass. That way, you don't have to compress them into a paste. <laughs> at that point, it would become the same volume and mass because I assume that the the density of a butterfly is actually the same as the density of a person. Because I feel like butterflies are biological goo. Humans are biological goo. Probably the same. I feel like you'd have to have – so if you think about a person, I would just sort of put a cylinder. I mean this sounds like torture device too. Put a cylinder around a person, okay? Raise that cylinder super tall. Make it a tall cylinder. Maybe I I think like 60 feet worth of a cylinder around a person full of butterflies. 60 feet tall? Yeah. Or, okay. Uh, It's probably going to weigh a person. It's going to weigh a person. Yeah, that's like 170 <laughs> pounds of butterflies. Like that's a lot of butterflies. That's a lot of butterflies. It depends on how much they're distributed because now you're talking about butterflies as if they're a gas, you know, because like if you got a cylinder, they're not crushed. They kind of are. flying around. You yeah, but now, but now I don't know how many are in there because you could you could just have it be as dense or not dense of a gas as you want. Maybe a, maybe a better question, going back to the original start of this podcast, how many goldfish crackers is equivalent to a butterfly? To a butterfly? Calorically. Calorically? Probably 59. Is a but no a butterfly probably has fewer calories than a double stuff Oreo. It has to. There's no oh, definitely. I mean, yeah, but probably but by goldfish crackers. But butterflies are mostly like it's going to be because bugs are mostly like fat in terms of like the, what's in there. Would you yeah. say a butterfly and an eggplant are kind of like a similar? Because so my wife and I were similar uh, texture. <laughs> well, no, similar calorics. Like we we ate some eggplants the other day, and then I was like, how many calories? Because like we ate that was mainly what we ate for our dinner, right? I was like, how many calories are in this? And there were there were like seven. There were just seven calories. Probably yeah, that was a pointless the, pointless. Yeah, no, because like because plants like I mean we're not built to eat plants because you know because plant matter is not just too it's too foreign relative to animal matter, right? We're built to in terms of like a rapid digestion and, and like a one to one. Here's uh-huh. the thing you ate and it turning into your own body, right? Bugs though are incredibly nutritious and nutritionally dense. So my bet is that it's. And Oreos are different because now Oreos are pure sugar, right? So that's like that's the far end. Let's of the, go with the, the goldfish density spectrum. Yeah. But for the goldfish crackers, which are not that far away because those are just also basically dessert, as we have previously discussed a long time ago in another mm-hmm. episode, uh, but not nearly as dense as just pure sugar. So my bet is that from a gram to gram perspective, a bug is not that far away from like a like a a goldfish a cracker, goldfish maybe. Cracker. Yeah, that's probably right. Yeah, but that's actually, it might even right. be closer to like a little pat of butter. Gram per gram. Because I'm pretty sure bugs are just like, they're just, 
They're just little little butter packets wrapped in <laughs> wrapped, wrapped in a shell. You know, is that is that scientific? That's, that sounds right. That sounds about right. That's right. Yeah. I think they're basically made right. of fat. So, this also reminds me every now and then, like for some reason, this is one of those things I can never get enough of thinking about how big or how small things are. I was talking with uh, some of my WoW guild mates who have a lot of gold in the game, mm-hmm. a lot of gold. Uh, so some of my guildmates have 5 million gold, which if you don't know anything about WoW, it's a lot of gold. I've been playing for 16 years. I have 500,000 gold. <laughs> Somehow they have 5 million gold. And we were talking about it and I was like, just think about this, you guys. If if each of your if, – if your gold pieces in the game were actual things, mm-hmm. if each gold piece was the size of a quarter, you would have a stack of quarters seven kilometers tall. Mm-hmm. That's a fucking big stack of quarters. <laughs> <laughs> That's too many. But like, you ever, like, people are always trying to try to do stuff like visualize how much money uh-huh. Jeff Bezos has, you know. And it's like it, it's a, it's an incomprehensibly large number. There's, there's no <laughs> way to understand. I love what, the ones uh, two hundred billion is. Yeah, I love the ones that that people like when the number is so big, you have to use things that are also so big you can't understand them. But people do it as if that helps, right? Where it's like. Where it's like, because I've seen for like Jeff Bezos' money, that kind of stuff. For like, he has so much money that if you were to convert his money into hundred dollar bills and then like put it in a line, it could wrap around the Earth like ten times and then go around the Moon twice. And like, and like it's like that's the yeah. explanation. It's like this is not helping. <laughs> I don't know what the fuck that means. <laughs> like it sounds like a lot. Yeah, right. You know that you know that thing that's so incomprehensibly far away that if you traveled seventeen thousand kilometers an hour, it would take you three days to get there. You know that thing? Yeah, that thing. Yeah, you can imagine like that, that, right? That's easy. Yeah. You can imagine that, right? It loops around that. Like, what? That's not. And that thing, and that thing it. itself is a quarter of the size of the Earth. Like, you know how, how you know how big that is. You know, you know how big. You know, you've been around the Earth, right? You've done that trip yeah. a few times. So it's sort of like uh, a super, super, super prime situation, right? Where yeah, you're like, I didn't it's understand. So the many first layers part of this. deep. Yeah. Probably the best representation I've seen of it is, is that actually is somewhat comprehensible. Um, is uh, there was a guy who who was using grains of rice. Yeah, those were in where, where each grain of rice was fifty thousand dollars. He's like this. Each grain of rice is about the median income of the average American household. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. So it's fifty thousand dollars per grain of rice. And so then he starts like having different piles of rice for different like individual people and different like uh, millionaires. Like, billionaires. Yeah, like yeah. if you're a millionaire, here's how much rice you have. And then for Jeff Bezos, it was like he had. He had bags and bags of rice that just ended up in like a giant – eventually he had to just weigh it because yeah. there's so much. There's so much. You, <laughs> you've got millions of pieces of rice that he, he had a giant pile of rice in his living room. And he was like – he's like, I, I'm trying to figure out like how to convey this. And so he's got this huge pile of rice and he pulls out like you know, six grains and he's like, here's a Lamborghini. You know, <laughs> right. like next to next to this just massive mountain, and you you no matter how much rice you take out of it, it's still just an incomprehensibly enormous mm-hmm. pile. You can't you can't spend it you all. Can't make you know? a dent. Yeah, it's pretty wild. Uh, all right, next question. One of those things where you, you hear things like you hear things like the moon is is slowly receding away from us, and you hear like, and it's like I can't remember what the, what the rate at which it's doing that. It's, it's like, like two like, inches a year. Yeah, or yeah, right. And like, and you hear that, you're like, oh god, eventually the moon's gonna be gone. You're like, do you fucking understand how long that is gonna take? <laughs> it's gonna take so long because like two inches on the scale of a thing that takes three days to get to when it's you're traveling at seventeen thousand miles per hour, right? Like, however far that actually is. Uh, yeah, yeah. It, it is. It's funny how how hard it is to just comprehend the relative scale difference when you're talking about those things and how easy it is to get freaked out or, or become disinterested even on, the, on when you look at the part of it that you can comprehend, right? Where it's like, you see a thing like, oh yeah, it's receding by a, a measurable amount, right? It's like, sounds fucking terrifying. And you can understand it. And then even though we put it in context with a bigger number, because you can't understand that bigger number, it can still be terrifying. Yeah, you still just focus on nothing the, at that yep, point. Yep, yeah. yep. Hilarious. Yeah, it's pretty wild. I'll hit one final question from Fly Hoppy X Rampa, who says, "I have started balding. Mm. I am welcome I am to the club. <laughs> I'm a ways off before I need to consider changing what haircut I get, but I like to be prepared. How often do you guys shave your heads? Are there any surprises I need to be aware of, or is being bald pretty straightforward? It's uh, uh, it's very straightforward. It's pretty straightforward. Yeah, you uh, it's." Okay, so so there's a couple of surprises, but they're all pleasant surprises. Okay, so one, swimming feels amazing. That is a mm-hmm. fact. 
You feel like a you feel like a fucking torpedo. You just there's no resistance. Okay, it's great. Another is for some reason people always talk about people always say you lose most of your body heat through your head. That is literally not true because of physics, right? It's true in the water for scuba diving. That's because the rest uh, of your body's covered in a wetsuit. Mm-hmm. Right. You don't have no, you're not insulating. <laughs> but uh, but the fact is like your your body heat comes off of your extremities because, you know, it's you've got a little surface area there. Uh, your head is just a big ball and yeah, spheres have the least surface area to to uh yeah. to de- mass ratio possible. Yeah. So. And your head is, you know, it's a lot smaller than your torso, hopefully. Uh and and so like <laughs> It just it just doesn't make sense. It's just not a true thing. So people like to think that if they go bald, then they're going to be like super cold or something. Um, if no, only. It, no, you, you feel totally fine. I will uh, say that it is true. Like in, in now, like in the in the depths of winter, when like when you're like when the room is actually cold, my head definitely does feel colder than it used to. Mm-hmm. Not so much yeah. that it really matters that much. Because yeah. the other Which thing too it? is, if you don't have hair, you know how easy it is to put a hat on. Just fucking put it on. And you never have to mess up your hair. Yeah, who cares? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now there is there is a sort of a, a binary problem you'll have with hats. One is if you've immediately shaved your head, that hat will just slip right off. <laughs> there is there is nothing keeping it on there. But if it's, it's been uh, two hours, you can't get it off because there's no if it's velcro. It's been two to your hours. <laughs> your head is velcro now, and yeah, that hat's just on there. Nothing can get that hat off of your head. <laughs> so uh, if you shave your head first thing in the morning and then you head out the door to work, you know, just uh, maybe put some tape on your head. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. If you've got a, if you got a two-hour commute, then by the time you get there, you won't be able to get your hat off. So that's yeah, it's a little complicated. Yeah. I think, okay, but I think so, the, the most underrated though, the most under – actually, probably the least explored of the benefits of a shaved head is putting lotion on your head. Oh, yeah. that's the best. Because – if you've never, I mean, you would have never done it if you've had hair your whole life, right? But getting out of the shower and putting lotion just on top, <laughs> just like, just like rubbing it, like you don't realize how bad your head feels until yep. you've put lotion on it. You're like, oh my god, I could have had this in my life. That's like the main reason I, that I, because I, I don't go full bald like Seth does. I just, I just buzz it. I just buzz it with a, with a, you know, with no guard, with a, with a trimmer. Uh, but I only do it once a week. But the reason I do it on a once a week schedule is because by the end of a week. My hair is just long enough, which, and it's not very long, but it's just long enough that putting lotion on it doesn't feel as good anymore, right? Like, no. That is the main driver for me. <laughs> uh, so there's another another aspect of this you may not have considered, which is sweat in your eyes. Yeah. Ooh. Okay. Yep. Your hair is basically a giant sweat sponge yep. on top of your head, um, which may be a reason why it's there to begin with, you know, from like an evolutionary mm-hmm. perspective. I don't know. But because you will notice as soon as you do any physical activity with no hair on your head, your eyes are just 100% full of sweat. Every <laughs> your, your heads are heads are a sweatier area than most other places of your body for whatever reason. And uh, when there's nothing to soak it up, it just goes in right. You in will find holes. that because 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 me and Seth are different or baldness, right? Because Seth goes like a full shaved actual like razor shaved baldness with high yeah. frequency, right? I go with a once per week really close buzz using an electric trimmer, right? So I actually have way less of that problem, even just with, even with the tiniest, tiniest bit of hair. Mm-hmm. Cause it's actually less about it being a sponge than it is about just slowing down. It's like, it doesn't just like fly <laughs> yes. off your head into your eyeballs, right? It's just like, it just kind of stays there a little bit, like just long enough that you can like towel yeah. it off or whatever. Yeah. yeah. What I've done is I've created a slip and slide that it perfectly channels the sweat right into my eyeballs. Yep. So, mm-hmm. Uh, so you'll you'll need to get some headbands if you're going to do some uh, exercise. If you are going to do the full shave, get yourself some of those sweatbands. You know, mm-hmm. put wrap, got to wrap that thing around. And we'll say, make sure you invest in sunscreen for yes. your dome, because that uh, yep. you know, getting sunburned on the top of your head very unpleasant. Screen that dome. Oh, that's yeah. the worst. but then again, just like with lotion, very easy and feels pretty oh, nice. Super easy. Yeah. Yeah. very easy to apply. And then the last thing, uh, which is a nice benefit, is. Uh, no more shampoo. Yeah. Just get mm-hmm. that just get that body wash. You know? Boom. You don't need it. You don't need to worry about it anymore. Just get that one bottle of soap. 
then you're, then you're good. And maybe maybe a face you know face scrub or something. Yeah, but, uh, <laughs> you still want your good face soap, and you're still if you've got facial hair, you're still gonna you're still gonna get that stuff nicely. You got to maintain that. Yeah. So um, I, I basically just go conditioner for the beard only because I've, I've apparently for maintaining a good healthy beard, you don't want shampoo anyway because that like rips all the good stuff out. So all your like mm. all of your hair oils and whatever, right? Mm-hmm. So just slap some conditioner in there. And then now what, one thing I've been wanting to do, cause you do go through razors a lot faster yeah. when you're shaving your head because <laughs> head hair is, even if you're going, uh, somewhat bald, there's a lot of it up there still. Is, there's yeah. still a there's lot, still a lot of it. up there. You know, I recommend uh, starting just with the, with the clean buzz with an electric trimmer first, just to see, yeah. cause like they, they both have their pros and cons, but I feel like with the, cause I, I also get ingrown hairs really easily. If I like actually say, so I actually can't shave my face because I just become an ingrown hair monster, you know? And mm, so that's so horrible. I, yeah. So I, I only electric trim anyway. I just, I have since, since I was a teenager, cause otherwise it gets really bad. Uh, so like, so, so there, there are other, like there are other things that might happen that you may not be ready for when it comes to a full actual shaved dome. So I would start with just the buzzed, the buzzed clean dome and see how that does for you. And then, and then just experiment. I mean, and we're all living inside anyway, so you can experiment with the shaved thing and see how that yeah, that works for you. But if it doesn't work, it doesn't work for me because it just my head's not my skin's not good enough for a shaved dome. Um, the the close buzz is a good alternative. Well, there's I think there's probably a second alternative that a lot of people, uh, you know, this one's a little more controversial. But just do the thing where just let it go bald on the top and grow the sides and back out as long as you can. Mm-hmm. You know, like because what people really think when they see that is they're like it averages out. You yep. know. It averages out to a good look. Mm-hmm. Sort of you know? That is people's first thought when they see it. Your first thought is, this, on average, this guy's head has a good amount of hair <laughs> on it. <laughs> uh, yeah, but I, I will say that when, when I first started, so because I first started shaving my head when Sam uh, was under his treatment, and I was, you know, it was a solidarity thing. But then I just enjoyed not having to worry about hair so much. And, and at the time, uh, our dad, who's who. who Himself, he has, he and I have exactly the same fucking hair pattern, which is like it's not exactly balding so much as it's just becoming less, right? It's just getting thinner. Yeah, it just thins out. Yeah, he was like, he's like, you know, he's like, someday you're you're gonna wish that when you could have good hair that you had it. And I'm thinking about the day where that is supposed to have happened, and I still am so glad I've not had good <laughs> hair for the past yeah basically decade actually, right? Uh, I shaved it be, right? uh, six years, yeah, that, no, five years. I yeah. shaved it that same time, and uh, yeah. Haven't looked back. It's been such a great thing for me. I hated, I, I hated having to try to figure out like scheduling my haircuts, trying to figure out how to deal with like, oh, I took a nap, but now my hair's all fucked up, and now I got to figure <laughs> wearing out wearing headphones. Do. I will, yeah. For me personally, I have. There's never been a moment in my life where I where I liked the hair that I had, right? And it was actually a cause of like of significant anxiety and distress for my entire childhood. Just trying to get it to look of being good. like I'm because yep. like especially like when you're in fucking middle school and high school where you're just like trying to be like if you look at my hairstyles back then they're, they're fucking hilarious they're very 90s on the one hand mm-hmm. but then also like you could tell I was like I was just trying every cool haircut frosted like, I had, tips I had frosted tips I had part in the middle I had like I had all kinds of things I was trying to do and uh, and I always felt bad about it I always felt like it looked like shit. Uh, I always felt like I was being judged for it. And then the moment, the day finally, when I just shaved it all off and I was like, I'm free. I'm free. I can just, <laughs> I'm free. <laughs> I can just not worry about this. Cause now it just looks the way it, it's, it is a look there, there aren't variants of baldness. There's mm-hmm. just, it's just gone. I don't have to, I don't have to think about it ever again. And I, and I can't tell you how just sort of oh, it's so emotionally freeing that actually was to not, to not deal with it. And for me, like the, the cost of never now getting to have like, quote unquote, a, a great, Said it was something like that. People look at they're like, "Oh, that looks awesome, right?" Uh, I was never going to get there. That was never going to happen. <laughs> that wasn't in the cards for me, you know. And even if it somehow was, I just don't think that just how how I am as a as a person interacting with other people. I don't think I ever would have believed it, even if it was true. Because like my my hair, it was like it was like a, the source of just like too much angst. Basically, it's too much angst. Rather yeah. now, it's just now I just don't have to worry about it. So. Yeah, I, think I feel it's like great. there's a good there's a good metaphor in there somehow about you know just leaving your your baggage behind. Just saying. well, and actually, and that's a good point too. Okay. Is, uh, <laughs> is once once you are buzzing your hair, you will discover that if you've let it like go out a little bit. So Seth doesn't really let his go out, but I'll, I'll let mine go out for like maybe two weeks every once in a while, you know. And if you're having a bad day or or just oh, yeah. like 
I know then, what you, I know yeah, what going say. in and just like and then just like making it clean again. It's it's this purification yeah. process that just yeah. always always makes things better. Always, yeah. You, you wake up, you're kind of feeling crappy. You know, you're feeling kind of kind of slobbish or something, mm-hmm. kind of kind of slow for the day. Actually, yeah. that's true. Every once in a while, Seth will just be like, we'll be in the middle of the day, so let's just be like, I need to go shave my head. He'll just like leave and go shave yeah. his head. And I get it. There's, it's Ta- like, yeah. Takes uh, takes like eight minutes. Mm-hmm. And uh, oh, man, it's just, it's just a life-changing moment. Yeah. So, <laughs> which has been one of the great benefits of working from home. I couldn't do that. At the uh, at the office, oh, yeah. could just go, could just go uh-huh. shave my head. I mean, I guess I probably could, but it would be weird. So, yeah. uh, anyways, so hope that helps. Uh, you know, take the plunge. It's, it's amazing. That's all the time we have for this week. We'd like to thank our producers, Fat Bard and Jen Costa, for putting the podcast together, and thanks to our community moderators who keep our Discord running. To get more involved in the Butterscotch community, go to podcast.bscotch.net. We have links to the Discord, a way for you to donate to support the podcast, and links to the podcast archives. Thank you all for listening. We'll see you next week. Goodbye. Goodbye.